Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Welcome to the Hollywood Pipeline Podcast. I'm Dax Holt, joined by Mr. Adam Glenn in New York. Sir, how you doing? You staying warm out there? Dude, I'm so jealous of you, Dax, right now. It is so cold in New York. I wish I was in California, and uh, but it's been busy here. I was just uh, I was just with Jack Black. I was with Mayor Pete. Uh, Mayor Pete, kind of bigger in person than I thought. I thought he was like some kind of not kind of like a puny type dude, but he's yeah. a guy physically in person. Nice guy, too. Not a big entourage. Very kind of uh, approachable. He did have a bodyguard with him, but he was somewhat approachable. But uh, things have been good here, man. It's going to be... Uh, we got some really cool stuff up for the podcast. We got some really say, cool you stuff. had a bit busy last week. I saw you hanging out with Tony Robbins again. I was doing my Tony Robbins stuff. Actually, uh, he's the best, and I had some really cool people that I was hanging out with. But a cool person we're going to be hanging out today is a guy who I am a fan of. This guy, he is a podcast radio host. He is a professional skateboarder. He's dabbled to MMA. He's a, a boxer, rocker, singer, actor, and author. Jason Ellis. <laughs> Jason, what's up, buddy? Man, that's, that's so not true, but thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> Dude, you have a lot of titles, man. It's insane. Like, How would you describe, when people will say Jason Ellis, because I first learned about you from, like, bikes uh being a you know but Motor, uh, yeah yeah from, from just from this is i'm talking about like 10 years ago but now how would you describe who you are and what you do as a title because you are a fucking badass uh i'm a retired pro skateboarder who uh has a, a radio show and i, and I podcast as well <laughs> well that, that were, whizzle, whittles it down epic show i mean this is you do some gnarly, insane stuff. I mean, it's just... just what is it? Which one's the insane one? I mean, all the shit you did... I'm thinking back in the day... First of all, I'm a Stern fan, okay? Yeah. And the stuff Are we going to start talking about my penis already? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you... Is it, how do you just have just total freedom? What do you have inside I you? Oh, to do the Stern stuff, I don't have total freedom. I have... I have drive to be successful and I'm not educated and I'm probably better off showing my dick to people to get famous. Like I'm a hustler. I was like, this is an idea where they'll have me on the Howard Stern show. If I put M&Ms in my floor skin, I, I don't lose here. And then people will hear my show and then I'll have a career in radio. That was, that was it. When I got there, I'm one of those people that says I'll do it and then I'll do it. But I I don't think about it until right when it's about to happen, and then I just it's like skateboarding. I just swallow it. Whatever it's gonna do, I just do it, and then I pay the consequences but later. Has there ever been something that like the Stern Show came up to you and said, "All right, here's what we have," and you're like, "No, that's too far. I can't do that. It's too much." No, no. <laughs> all my all the ideas of any of that stuff was <clears throat> was usually me, except for the wrap my dick up. Uh, and give it to George Takai, that was their idea. But I, I tried to pitch for this book to be on there before the end of the year, and they didn't 
they they said no. They said they were a little bit busy with other people. They didn't have that many days left. Uh-huh. But I thought maybe I should have pitched like a dick trick as well. I kind of blew it. <laughs> I, I, man, here's I, the thing. Listen, there's, I could talk to Baba Boo. I could talk to Gary and say, hey, listen, he's got more uh, – He's got more dick tricks in the bag, so you know we still there's still room. I got butt tricks now too, so we can go there too. I was gonna yeah. say, I'm like this new book. It's it's pretty graphic, and I, I think it would be right up their alley. I'm surprised they they aren't calling to get you in right away. Yeah, me too. Honestly, <clears throat> I was really kind of a bit sad about it. I really, I, I mean, that's the show that I look up to. Yeah. So let me see this, Jason. How did it all start for you? I mean, obviously you grew up as a skateboarder. You became professional at a young age. You know, but how did the transition start? I mean, you had a very successful career as a skateboarder. You did some massive things. I mean, you know, you got to skate and you know work with Tony Hawk and some of the you know every one of the best. But how did that transition t- change from skateboarding to dabbling into MMA? How did it all kind of that go down? Oh uh, well, MMA was after I retired. <clears throat> I retired and moved to full commitment to do radio hundred percent. So I, I, uh, moved to LA. So I had to give up. I'm a vert guy. I ride vert ramps. I don't just skate the street. I've got no problem with it, but that's what I really like to do. And if there is no vert ramp, then that's pretty much the end of me skateboarding. I've always lived around a ramp. So to give that up, to go to LA and start being a DJ and trying to make this whole thing work to fill the gap was to go to an MMA gym and, because those guys are crazy, and I was really bad, so every day I got better, so it filled the gap. The gym's down the road. You can go in the morning, but it was still that discipline. It still had drive. It was still super dangerous getting punched in the face. <clears throat> I remember thinking, unfortunately, this is the job for me. Like, I really like it. You know, I'm one of those people that – I'm not a violent person, but actual fighting, like the sport of it, I don't know what it is. Maybe my dad didn't pay that attention to me, but just grabbing on and punching people and getting hit as well, I really like it. Did you, do you have like a larger pain tolerance than the average person? I mean, you have a ton of tattoos, yeah. skateboarding? Yeah, I think so. My wife has that too, but I think when I get tattoos, people that tattoo me, they usually say that it's supposed to hurt. This part's supposed to be bad, and I'm like, maybe not, but I might be a little numb as well. I don't know. But then how did you know that you would be good at radio and podcasts? Like, were you just like that funny guy when during skateboarding where everyone's that's just... That's total accident. That's more like... It's more like me being drunk after contests and <clears throat> making... Like, myself and Tony, when we became friends, it was because of the after the contest, I would... We'd drink and I'd tell stories. And he was like, man, this is the funniest guy ever. And it was, a, it was an odd couple thing because he was more of a straight lace pro and I was... You know, a fucking train wreck. Uh, I mean, I, I I skated hard, but I was not disciplined in any way, shape, or form. I partied pretty hard. So, but when he became friends with me, like good friends, because he yeah. was, like really liked my sense of humor. And then I think I got a few gigs at ESPN doing some X Games announcing. But then they tried to tell me to do stuff in my ear, and I I kind of fired myself. I was like, "Who's? Can I cuss on this?" Yeah, I already have. Yeah, I was like, "Who the on. fuck is this guy in my ear?" <laughs> and somebody and, and somebody goes, he can hear you. And I was like, Kenny. I was like, hey man, why don't you shut the fuck up? Like, <laughs> if you wanna, if you wanna ask the question, you come up here and ask the question. But I felt like you got Jason Ellis to interview Bucky Lassick because Jason Ellis is a pro skateboarder with Bucky Lassick, and you're gonna get a fucking real conversation, not 
oh, you've got a 9.6 right now. What's going through your mind? Like, the dude would say that, and I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Not only do they say it, they say it while you're trying to concentrate and ask a fucking question. Okay, dude, you're a guy, yes. Yeah, while the guy's trying to tell you something about himself, and you just go, whoa, I hear nothing now. I hear all words in <laughs> and, all and one thing. And here's the best thing. part. You're the one who looks like an idiot on camera, because now you look like you have no idea what you're doing. Man, I love it when somebody's been in these shoes, because it is bullshit, and the whole... <laughs> thing how you hire a face the talent to do the interview and then some dickhead in a box takes your brain and starts <laughs> fucking with it on tv it's insane that's why i'm like i think that's why some of the big people like conan or leno they're like hold up a card because then i can read a card while i'm talking but you're not inside of my head yeah yeah, I'll make my decision on when I want to get your information. I mean, like, you got to trust me. That's why you hired me. That's what I thought anyway. So funny. <clears throat> so I left that stuff. But Tony got off at a radio show and he told them from the... I didn't even know this. He told me, like, years later. But he told them that Jason is, like, uh, would be amazing on radio and could really be a big thing in, in radio to Sirius XM. But let's have him on my show as a co-host at first. And then I built a little bit of a fan base while being on Tony's, Tony's show. And because I'm such a foul mouth and Tony's, you know, he's a lot of his stuff was in Target at the time or something like that. And it just was starting to, people were calling in and going, you know, coming on faces or, I don't know, something terrible that I talked about. And it was a Tony Hawk show where kids were calling and saying, Tony, how do you... How do you do 900s? And he'd go, well, you know, <laughs> eat your Wheaties or some shit. Then I'm talking about loads to the face. So I was like, I'm leaving because it's, you've built my career and you've made me, but you don't need me. You know, you don't need me. Yeah. So, and he was like, go, go to LA and do it. And then he just supported me the whole time at the start when they were like, uh, I wanted more money or if I was, uh, I'll, I'm not playing that fucking song. I'm not going to let you, no one's going to tell me what to do. I really pushed it. Because I kept thinking if they fire me, I'm like, I'll just go back to skateboarding. I don't care. So that kind of gave me uh, a, a confidence that I didn't deserve, but it worked. But And then Tony would back me and stuff. He's like, you got to hook this guy up. And they love Tony so much that, that I, it really, he really, like, did help me in skateboarding a bunch, like the ESPN tours, and then to give me this thing that, I mean, for us to transition, especially when you're an uneducated, alcoholic like, where, what was, well, I was going to pack boxes when I retired from skateboarding. I was going to be maybe a team manager, but I doubt it. Would you give me a credit card? I would not. So, hey, the Adam, radio made me grow yeah. up. Oh, then, you know, I had a baby, and then I just had to. Adam, have you ever met uh, Tony? Uh, I actually have not met Tony. That's one. Actually, I take that back. I have met him once. I met him about four years ago at this charity event. Super nice guy, super tall, but. Dax, you had a pretty amazing uh, He experience. He, I, I have to say, out of all the hundreds of celebrities I've met over years, Tony is in my top ten of the nicest people. Like, Not. genuinely, amazingly nice people. And, like, he doesn't... He's just normal. He's just normal. Exactly. It's like that Hollywood bubble hasn't affected him whatsoever. He doesn't expect anything from anyone. And was, a lot of people that are as famous as him just sort of expect things exactly and I, I showed up to his house for an interview and there was no like there were there weren't guards outside waiting <laughs> he was literally sitting in his driveway like on the ground playing on his phone behind the gate i'm like 
what celebrity is like waiting for me to show up to his house like on the ground it was he's yeah. just the nicest guy i can't i can't give him enough kudos by the way i think i have something cool hold on yeah i don't know where it went i had a, a skateboard he gave me or a deck actually it was he a, gave you a board he gave me a board but it was from his 50th birthday party so it was like he had them made specifically for his birthday party and there was only 50 made and he gave me one but i think it's in the other room I got oh, here. I'll match it. I got this for his 50th birthday. Oh, nice. That's what's oh, on the board. That's cool. Did you get one of the decks? Because he gave them out at no. his party. <laughs> no. <laughs> he, knows that, he knows I don't want one. I don't care. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Actually, I just had to give him kudos. So. He's been around a lot of celebrities, obviously. Uh, through the Not as many as you, Tony Robbins. I know. I did. I've been around. I was actually – I was just with – We'll, we'll get into that a little bit. I was just with a ton of people. But of all the celebrities that you've kind of met over the years, who's the best celebrity skateboarder? Uh, I think that would be Yellow Wolf. He, is he good? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's legit. Is it cool like to see people like Lil Wayne so invested in skateboarding and Bieber, or is that just bad for the culture? In, no, no. I, man, it's all good for him. People that say like certain people that aren't, respected or really good in skateboarding but they're really famous this is this is the game like it's not <clears throat> i don't have to respect beaver's beaver's talent but if he gets into skateboarding and other people get into skateboarding then more people are skateboarders and that's what the bigger picture is to me like everybody should have a go because it builds character if you stay on that thing for a while it it can make you a better person. Okay, what do you, what do you think of skateboarding in the Olympics, though? Does that jump the shark, or no. is that like that's awesome? No, man, <clears throat> everybody's jumped the shark. I mean, we started everything, and then there's all these other snowboarding. Where the fuck did snowboard? Where'd you get that idea from? Going sideways. <laughs> Why do you keep fucking grabbing onto your board, pretending that it's not stuck on there? <laughs> we did it. So no. yeah, we're in the Olympics. We should have been in the Olympics way before they did, but I, I I don't think that it's not about it's not about money, it's not about fame, it's about if you can figure out how to use that so good that it becomes a part of you, then you're free, man. Like you're people don't understand. When you can ride that thing, like certain people can ride dirt bikes, basketball players, I don't know what you know, mainstream sports, when you get to a certain level where you can just fucking zone out and you're better than anybody on the planet, you're ruling it. That's the gift. Like this that's why it's super hard not to do tons of drugs for people that get to that level when they get older because you can't match it. It's better well, than money and all the blowjobs. Uh, well you're you're sober? No, nah, no way. No oh good, good. Well uh, now <laughs> good. Um, and Margera, you know? Yeah. Have, have you kind of, you know, in the skateboarding community, has people kind of reached out to him in the skateboard community to try to, because he's such a, you know, you know the jackass guy as well. I mean, it's, have you kind of reached out and like, bam, or know anything how he's doing or? I mean, he, he texted me not so long ago out of the blue to ask me uh, if I had a contact for the stem cell doctor in Columbia because I got stem cells on my knees and my ankles and shoulder. But um, I never really... Like we, you know, we were friends on the Tony Hawk tour and then, you know, the sh he got a show and things got really big and he kind of, I don't know, he's kind of a dick. And I never really, I'm one of those people that remembers stuff like that. So I was like, man, that's some bullshit how you get bigger and then you start to talk shit. He had a radio show on the same channel. As uh, me. Yeah. Him and his, him and his friend, this Novak dude, 
who I didn't know from fucking anything, just started talking shit on me. And then at one point, they were talking shit on my wife on the fucking radio. And I was going to fly to his house and beat his fucking head in. And my boss called me and said, if you go and do that, we will fire you. And I was like, so? And then he was like, please don't do that. I was really angry about it. And then he never apologized because he doesn't care. He doesn't remember it because he just treads on everybody all the time. But then, you know, I've had, I've got problems with drugs and stuff. I just managed to somehow not, you know, I smoke a lot of weed. I drink some wine at night, but I don't, you know, black out or I'm not like, uh, I, you know, I go to the gym in the morning. Yeah. If I couldn't do that, then maybe I would pull it back in again. But it seems to be with old age, not that bad for me. But for him, when I heard about all that stuff, of course I felt bad. But it, but a part of me is like, look, you got to, I know what it's like. And I've already helped out a couple of other pro skateboarders. And if you don't really want it, then I'm not going to, I'm not wasting my fucking time. I got two kids. I got a million things on my plate. And if you don't, I know what it's like. If you don't want to go, and I'm like, you got to go. And you're like, oh, shoot, if you want me to, I'll go. You're not going to get sober. Yeah. Like, you've yeah. got to actually want to do it. And then it's going to suck even more on top of that. Like, it's it's a nightmare. Well, what are your thoughts about the whole Hollywood scene? I mean, you're invested in it. You live out there. Am you know, I? Yeah. I mean, you're, 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 in, you're in the scene, dude. You, you, I you, am not in the scene. I am not in the scene. What scene? <laughs> what, White no, person? You had some crazy guests. Um, like oh, okay, on the radio. Yeah, you can, You know what? We can hang out on the radio, but when it gets dark, I'm going home. There's no really? scene for me. Is My it, pants what? are really tight. I'll give you that. But you have <laughs> the itch to like go out there and like, since you are a celebrity, you don't have that itch to go out Am there and I? put yourself. You are, dude. I'm Come telling on, you, man. Dude. I'm a fan. Else, you're. You are. I'm a fan. You are. People know you. People like you. They enjoy you. The podcast is blown up. The book, the new book, people are excited about. I, I mean, so I, I didn't know based on that, you know, that social media, not even say like social media, that that dopamine that you get from all the people like, wow, I do have fans that you don't want to put yourself out there and like, hey, I'm going to start going out in the Hollywood scene and put myself out there. How do you stop yourself from like going to uh, Chateau Marmont or trying to become even bigger and kind of getting that caught up in that world? Did you just start laughing, Katie? <laughs> my wife just started laughing at me because <laughs> she knows that oh I, oh I already got what I want and what's you know, that uh like I can have sex with pretty much anybody I want it all the time and it's all kinds of different people and that's what I like all different kinds of people and I don't really want to stay up late I like to go to the gym in the morning and work on my boxing so I don't really like late night stuff so I like to have a lot of sex with a lot of weird people and then go to bed like at 10.30 and then do a lot of action and stunts and further my career and help people and talk to like one-on-one -on -one fans, not like a giant amount of people that are just all hyped up on each other and I don't even get to talk to them because they just sound like fucking idiots because they're flipping out. I just like, like the, I did a show yesterday, 30 people in the studio and they hung out. We smoked some vape pens in the parking lot. <laughs> That's what it, that's what that's what it's about. I don't see like I've been to the chateau. I've hung out with Katie and I used to be we are friends with Benji and Joel Madden, but we don't we don't we don't do good in it. We stand there looking awkward. People go, "Oh wow, do those tattoos hurt?" And I'm like, "Fucking idiot. I don't want to fucking talk to you." You know, cuz it but it's so then we're haters, you know? So we usually just stay home and watch Netflix or you know what I mean or 
talk shit to each other. We don't really need anybody else. Honestly, I don't want to go. I don't, if you invited me, I'd be like, fuck, is it going to give me a TV show? Like, uh, you promise me? Because then I'll go to one, but I don't want to go to another one. Like, if let's say I got a TV show, then they were like, go to all the parties. To me, that would be such heavy lifting. I'd be like, fuck, why did I say yes to this TV show? I'm not built for it. So, so you got to tell us more about this book that you just re released on the 10th. It's called Still Awesome, The Trials and Tribulations of an Egotistical Maniac. This, do you feel like this is the most like in-depth not like book that you've done? Like, because you're revealing stuff that I think, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it. Basically, you're revealing stuff that you've never really revealed before or didn't really care what people thought about. And I think that it kind of... I don't know, it's like a stripped back, back version of Jason Ellis, which you didn't think was there, but there's even more stripped back version of you, right? Yeah, I really didn't. I really didn't face it. Even when I did the first book, I didn't, you know, I mean, I knew that there had been things that had happened in the past that were um, not things straight guys do, but I wasn't, I just didn't analyze it enough to even, I couldn't give myself a label. I couldn't, I honestly couldn't tell you what I was. But were you, were you embarrassed or were you just afraid of people? Were you embarrassed? Were you afraid of people's reactions? Did you feel like fuck pressure it. from your friends not to say this kind of stuff? Like, what was it? Oh, fuck all that. Like, I, there's no, I, the, in the end, like, two girlfriends I had, I told, and when we broke up, they started telling people that I was a fag. So I remembered after the second girl did it, uh, I couldn't, I, I could I, I got divorced. And, she, and then Carrie Hart told me that he was at a wedding and that and that my ex was at the wedding telling Pink and him that Jason's a fag. And I was like, oh. and Carrie's like, and Carrie's like, you know, Carrie, this is when people just did, uh, uh, I didn't have to hide it. You just never thought it. I was the dude that was trying to sleaze onto your girlfriend. Like I was, I was over the top. I still am. I really like girls. But so Carrie, you know, because me and Carrie have hung out where we We've slept with the same girls before because they're into the, you know, in action sports dickheads. So so for him, he was like, oh, don't even worry about it. We just laughed it off. But in my head, I was like, well, she told you that because I tried to share with her at one point that I had done some stuff with guys. So I just thought, I'm not going to tell anybody anymore. And then when I got divorced from my wife that, you know, had my babies, I pretty much gave up on um being in a relationship and then I met Katie and we were, you know, I mean, it was one of those weird things where it was a mental thing, which is hard for me. She's really hot, but I could tell it was a mental thing where I really, really wanted to stay around her. But at the same time, I just figured I should be completely honest from the start because, uh, it's either that or just be alone. So from the start, I was like, look, I'm, you know, I'm into trans girls. And she was like, I think that's really hot. That's just a short version of it. But, and then when I realized not only did she not frown upon it, that she thought it was hot, and then some of her friends thought it was hot, that allowed me to talk about it in a room with people. And then I started to, because that's me, I'll start joking about it. Now I can joke about gay jokes, gay sex with some girls in the room, and they all laugh, and they think it's cute. And then I think that just built into some confidence and and a weight lifting off me when I was talking about it then I started to, I was like you know what you fucking talk a mean game on the radio how you'd always talk about everything in your life 
but there's a giant one that you know I mean you're just not sharing because it's not cool you're not going to get a pat on the back for this one this yeah. is not going to be like man you're fucking gnarly jason you know this is going to be what the fuck yeah. so but i just let's told the howard stern show and i just it was a different feeling usually when i do the howard stern show i feel like yeah. i did something really big successful but this time i felt like I did something good for myself. Like I felt better about, uh, I just felt happier. So, so then just, that became an addiction. I, think. I was going to say, so it sounds like a big weight was lifted off your shoulders, just being able to like talk about it, be free. Do you think that honestly, Katie in your life is really what allowed you to be this open? Cause without her being accepting, then would you have ever gotten to this comfortable place? I mean, I can't say I would never have gotten there. Um, but it would be a lot longer from, it wouldn't be right now, that's for sure. I think maybe when I was 50, 60, 60, 70, right before I die, I don't know. But I didn't I didn't think it was going to be now. Because I figured I'd wait till my kids were older. Mm-hmm. But the more I thought about that, the more I thought, you know, these are things that people are. And, you know, if I die before my son is 18, I, and I don't get to tell him, like, I, I'm, I don't want it to be a secret. I want people to, if you're bi or whatever it is you are, you should be totally okay with saying it in front of anybody you want and and everybody should not and not cringe about it it's not bad like if, if a guy kisses a guy it's not bad it's good it's beautiful like people need to people like me never say that you know people say, like if you like moto and you shoot guns and you got too many tattoos then you're supposed to be like oh you know what i mean that's, if you're on if you're into it that's fine by me but fuck you know it's because it's, it's gross to you yeah so where do you meet the guys though uh, well, at first it was a couple of trans girls that I had come on the show and then we became friends and then that escalated into things. And then my wife and her friends introduced me to Grinder, and gave me a Grinder app on my phone. And, and then that was, people would, you know, oh my God, you said, well, how can I come over and blow you? And I'm like, really? Just, I don't want to do anything. I'm not going to do anything to you. And they're like, yes, please. And I'm like, I got to see if this is actually real. And then, sure enough, it's super real. Everybody really likes doing that. <laughs> and then Katie was like, I don't believe you. And I was like, it's in the book. I said, get in the dog cage and we'll put a blanket over it and you can watch. So then we started doing that for a while because sometimes it would be, they would be so grateful it was, I just never, I didn't know. I just, I wasn't in the gay community when I was growing up. I, I mean, I'd done it like two or three times in my life, high on ecstasy or something, where something happened with a guy. This is their community. I'm starting to realize it way later. And even myself and Katie were, we're into it. We think it's hot, but we also did not know. Like, we did not know that it was a thing. It's a really is, big thing. Is she open to like having like a, what happens potentially if you kind of fall in love with someone? Is she potential to having kind of a, a, a threesome-ish type relationship? You know, like no. a, not just I like wanna, a, I don't want to do that. You would just—it's just a quick kind of. No, ramp- no, I've got so I got um, like some girlfriends that I love as friends. I you know, I mean, I don't want to marry them or anything, but, uh, and we sleep with each other sometimes. And I got some guy friends that I really care for too. Now, just only recently have I started to have a couple of guy friends that that's it. That's the only people I see. I don't go doing the, 
just mean anybody thing anymore. It gets a little yeah. too sketchy, but, uh, but that's because I, because I didn't, I, I never used to do that. I never used to have like a mental connection, but my wife, if she sleeps with somebody, that's the only way she's going to do it. She's not, she doesn't have that thing that I have where I can just get sucked off and think that that's a great day. And it's so, it's so like fascinating, honestly, just because I think people's lives are so different. So it's, it's interesting to hear how your relationship with your wife is successful and you guys, that works for you. I think, I think it's cool. Uh, you know, cause I, I couldn't imagine in my own relationship, but like I'm praising you for your honesty and just like, it's hard. It's, it's, it's not cool. Like everybody, I'm not saying everybody's got to do it. It's the best. I don't yeah. think it's easy. I think it stresses my wife out. I think whenever she connects with somebody too much, that hurts me, but that's the whole point of it. Yeah. But it's, it's even if I know what the whole point of it is and I can rationalize it, it still hurts. It's funny I because I, I feel like most people in America would categorize this as an unhealthy relationship. But I think that it, when I'm hearing it, it's probably one of the most healthy relationships because you guys are being honest with each other. Yeah, I feel like you just got to know who you are. If you're not like me, like I am odd. You know, I mean, I have some odd things that I'm really into. So that means my partner is going to be on an odd roller coaster. For the whole ride. If you're if you're like, oh, look, I like sex a couple of times a week. I like it, you know what I mean? Normal. And that's my life. Then being with that man wouldn't be maybe there's some other things that you don't know about. You know, mine just mine just seems to be bedroom related. Actually, that's not true. Everything I do is fucking weird. <laughs> you know, based on your history as a radio host, you know, and cause you it is shy, do some people take you as you're doing a shtick? Like, are they, are, are they taking you serious, you know, or they just, or they think you're just, you're, this is what you are. They, they, they just think. I don't think, it, I, I don't, maybe if it's, I, I've never heard of that one. It's a pretty weird thing to make up. It's not helping me, you know, sure. it'd be different if it was like, yeah, now I'm a huge success. It's like, this, this hurt the show. This hurt my social media. Like people, it didn't help coming out at all yeah. but i found that there was a small part of people that it really helped like more than all because i've helped people you know i've i've helped people with addiction and depression and weight and diet and deepen me like i've met the people you know people that have lost hundreds of pounds and their fucking mom is crying thanking me and shit and i'm like oh my god this is i never thought that i would be in in helping anybody in that kind of, you know, I mean, let's, the, only thought, the only way I thought I could really help is maybe if I just went and started feeding the homeless. Like I don't have, how is my brain going to transition into helping others? And I found this pocket where the radio really helped, but then talking about me coming out, there's people that are, that are talking about killing themselves. And then they heard my show or the article the other day. There's the most, uh, DMs from the LGBTQ community in the last two days, more, I don't, it's just constant. And it's never been like that, ever. So it has it's all mean, people saying, thank you. So I can't, I don't even care if the book sells. I told my boss that this morning, he sent me an email saying how much you were doing, you're doing for the show and the channel. And it's really, really nice email. And I was like, I've already, that's all I wanted. All I wanted is it says that I'm, I'm doing a great job and I'm helping all these people. That's what my bosses are saying in emails with each other. And I'm like, I want them to be happy. I want to know that I'm doing a good job with my job and I want to help everybody. That's your purpose. 
I, I read a, I read one of the interviews that you did recently where you said that the LGBT community hasn't always exactly been it. They haven't embraced a someone who is bisexual. And you were saying that you've met guys, you've been with them, and they're like, "Oh, don't worry, you're gonna be gay. It's this is just a phase. You're you're not straight. You're you're either gay or you're not gay." Uh, I was kind of surprised to hear that. I think because I feel like the community has been persecuted so much that anyone they would be accepting of no matter what your sexual stance is that's what i said i was like wait you don't believe me you're gay and you don't believe i'm bi how what about when nobody believed you and now i'm coming to you like you came to the world and you're going to do the same thing they did to you like it's insane but i think it's more of an old school thing i think a lot more people realize I think if you meet them, that's the difference. I feel like if you, you know, if you've never met a gay person and really befriended them, or a trans person, and, and if you're a gay guy that's only hung out with gay guys or only with straight guys, you've never really hung out with a bisexual guy. It's like, yes, I am. It's it, once you hang out, then you realize because I've had the discussion before where it's so I must not like women. This is a thing that I'm going through where I'm using them. Uh, to recover, like when I get my confidence, I'll eventually be like, look, I'm actually completely into men 100%. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, how many women have you had sex with? He's like, well, I haven't had sex with any women. I'm like, okay, well, I I do all the time. I want to right now. It, it, so what is that? Is that like, am I faking that to myself? Or And, and I'm old. Like, it'd be different if you're trying to tell me when I'm 17, I don't know I'm gay, but I'm almost 50. I'm super into chicks. Like, not, it's, you know, I got, it's, it's a real obvious reaction. If really pretty girls walk by me, I do my damnest to not follow their ass when they walk past. Cause, and I, and I'm having a conversation with my mind not to do it. You know why? Cause I'm, I'm half and half, man. That's just, that's all it is. I want to ask you what's going on with Ellis Mania. Uh, any updates with that, or as far as uh, 2020, or yeah, yeah, Ellis Mania 2020 is is most likely at Virgin because it's not going to be the Hard Rock anymore. It's going to yeah. be the Virgin Hotel, but they delayed pulling that Hard Rock down. So if it doesn't become Virgin before the end of 2020, then I'll probably either go back to Texas because Texas was the best one we've ever done. Uh-huh. And just the people and the, I don't know. I mean, people after the event, people helped pack up. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> no. So like explain- the fans helped pack the shit up because they knew that my wife and I were like arranging this shit. Explain just- to our listeners who aren't aware of Ellis Mania. How would you, it's just total like mayhem. It's, awesome. it's comedy boxing. You know, it's comedy boxing. And obviously try to imagine if you, uh, could, you were trying to invent comedy boxing and you were on the radio, maybe smoking some weed for like three hours every day. What would happen if you did this? What would you ha- What would happen if we did that? And then now it's just escalated into fine tuning what I think would be the funniest ways to punch each other in the face while still having a challenge of a fight. That's what you see every year now because it's just we do trial and error. Like I'll work on stuff. And be like, dude, that's funny. We should do that. And sometimes not so funny. Sometimes like musical chair fight. Now it's girls and guys. They both have their own musical chair fight. Because everybody loves it. That's so <laughs> funny. So true that's... or false, Catherwood is one of the funniest people you've ever met in your entire life. 
True. He is, I think he is the most underrated, like, talent uh, out there. He is the He's a hard working funniest guy fucking guy. I, I love him so much. I know he does your show. Uh, I I just... We do the podcast together as yep, well. Yep. I, I love him. And I, I feel like I've looked at him for many years and I go, how is this guy not... Like, do you remember when he was filling in for Regis a long time ago? Yeah. I was like, this guy deserves this shot. Like, what is Seacrest doing up there? Do he does it. He does it well every time they give him a spot. Yeah, he's he's awesome. I love him. He's really funny. So, what's next for you, though? You just wrote the book. Where do we? You know, what's next for you? I mean, because it's interesting. You've done so much in a short period of time. You know, as far as like I just said in the beginning, so many job titles. But what is next? Is it just radio? Is there something else you really want to get into, or what can we expect more for you to do? Uh, I mean, I can't. I'm slowing down on the doing a lot of uh, training every day, like a. I box too much. My hands and my shoulders are starting to wear out. And from all the skateboarding stuff, I just, I got to find another thing that is terrifying that doesn't wreck my body as much. So I can't afford to race cars right now. That would be my main thing. If I ever make enough money, I'll just go into short course racing again. I just love it. Just, it, it costs, it's not a money maker. It's a money burner. So you have to be way better off to be in it. Otherwise you're kind of an idiot. So I want to do that, but I'm thinking about, uh, I tried stand up a few times, but I want, I don't like repeating myself. But then I realized that all comedians do that, and they kind of work on their material. So I'm contemplating do, doing that. I went the other day, and then somebody gave me a card to do some open mics on a Sunday in the valley with like a month's month's notice. And I'm like, I'm already too uppity for this fucking deal. Like I'm, I will not be fucking giving you a month's notice to show up at an open mic on a Sunday. You the fuck I am. <laughs> so I might, I might, I might be fucked, but I might be dead in the water. But I've got a bad attitude, you know? <laughs> Biggest regret that you've ever done on your show. Uh, I don't, I mean, I didn't like, I know people liked it, but I don't like I don't like fighting people. I don't like uh, what was his name? Andrew Dice Clay fucking came in with his kids and tried to play his kids' music, and it was really bad. And I just I was when you just when keeping it real goes bad. Like I just thought all the people that listen to my show, they know what I'm really thinking of this music, and if I don't say something then I would have let them down. That's really what I was thinking. So I was like, this music is terrible. It's not ready to be like produced. And Andrew Dice Clay flipped the fuck out. At one point, I actually thought he was going to hit me, which meant I was going to, I was thinking about hitting him. So I stopped talking and he was talking about being a tough guy. And I just had my foot stuck in the carpet. And I was like, if he goes, I'm going. And then everyone was like, oh, that was great. That was crazy. And I'm like, I don't didn't like that. I don't want to fight that guy. Didn't want to have an argument with that guy. I didn't want to hear his kids' band either. I was kind of fucked up. But I probably could have handled that in a different manner. And I feel like the comedy world, he's a legend. And all these people that are friends with him, I, I, I just pissed off everybody again. Like, I feel like I, I do a lot of things where uh, Opie and Anthony saying stuff to them, saying stuff to... Any anybody who's in competition, though, I regret all those things. I regret having a beef with anybody. You see, those are the things I regret. You seem like a softie to me. You seem like you've got this really tough exterior, 
but genuinely inside you're like a big teddy bear is what it comes across like and that i i see that you've done stuff for ratings that maybe aren't you but worked for ratings i don't even know if it worked for ratings but yeah (laughs) that was the plan yeah so how do you deal with people in criticism then like if people are just talking shit on you i mean i've I've heard a couple things that you've said now that you're like i would beat the shit out of them but like do you with social media, I feel like I see every tweet and it pisses me off if someone talks shit on me. Like, how do you deal with that? Especially with being so open. I mean, it depends on the day. Most of the time, because I'm in therapy and all this stuff, and I know that the, and I can kind of read into people these days because I've been in it for so long. Usually, someone says something really mean. I, I, I kind of, I. It's usually because they've, it's their own, <clears throat> it's their own fucking problem. You know, like it's not actually like a rational bone to pick it's just some fucking idiot saying stuff that barely makes any sense he might have just figured out like that he fucks my mom or that i'm a fag or something so usually they're just laughable to me everybody's pretty laughable i, I mean i don't somebody who's just straight out hating me on social media i don't think i can get that angry unless they're like somebody that i look up to so but that has only happened a couple of times and once again that's my feelings have been hurt because it's new to me mm-hmm. and it's kind of this thing that I always feared. You know, you start talking about your sexuality and then you have people in your in your line of work that you respect that may or may not have mumbled that you're a fag here and there. So it's, it's, I'm like, I am sensitive. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, fuck, really? They said that? And then I'll be sad about it. Yeah. But it's not like, it's just not that bad on the scale of bad things that have happened to me in my life. When I add it all up, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Some some people probably think, you know, I mean, it's too much, and and that's, I don't, there's nothing I can do. I'm not here to worry about that. So I kind of, I usually deal with that pretty good. It's why, been pretty good. Why do you think people put so much importance on sexuality? Like, why is why does that define people so much? Will God. You... Yeah. Like yeah, religious, religious people. I mean, I'm not trying to. I I also have not started. I used to be a lot angrier at religion because I have a lot of anger issues from childhood. But I realized that if you're loving God and you want to love everybody else and you think you should treat everybody like your name and respect everybody, I sorry, I didn't read the Bible, but I'm assuming it's got a lot of that in there. I'm a hundred percent for that. I've got a lot of friends that used to be drug addicts that are off it and they go to church every Sunday and I love it. But there's this thing where there's a couple of things in the Bible that your parents might have told you and you didn't realize that it was just, you know, didn't actually, it's not factual. It doesn't, you don't have to live by it that make people's lives like mine, not so much mine. I'm only half man. You know I mean? Like just feeling wrong, feeling wrong for saying you're, you're gay, feeling weird. I like feeling weird for saying you're bi. My, Katie and I have a dating app that's for threesomes. And every guy on there is straight and every girl is bi. The couple. It's yeah. bullshit. Like, it's not true. I Not only is the girl lying that she's bi, I'd say 50-50. Most of them are just saying that because it's hot because we like it when we hear girls say they're bi. And then total other double standard. The dudes, half of them are bi. Why the fuck would you want to fuck your wife with another dude? I'll tell you why. Because you're into the dude being into your wife. It's kind of gay. <laughs> a little bit and it's okay it just should be okay it's kind of, you know that's the weird because i i can tell they don't want to put it in there because the they they think when my wife and i look at it and we go oh he's bi pff, fag 
and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fucking around with a gay guy. Like that's, that's why they're not stating. So I'm, I really want to push that before I die because I don't think that it's, I don't, I, it's so stupid. Like if you don't want to do stuff with dudes, great. But as a guy that gets to do stuff with them, it, it's really good. Like you just, you, if they're there or they're watching, I don't get, I don't get how it makes everything bad or they've ruined everything for you. Yeah. Uh, Jace, I have one last question for you, and I appreciate your time. I want to ask you, you've had a lot of cool guests on your show. You know, I, I think, I'm pretty sure you had Ozzy Osbourne. Yes, uh, but who was the biggest star who was the biggest letdown when you met them or had them on the show? Uh, Martin Lawrence. Really? Asshole. Really? Wow. Didn't say shit. Didn't say was so bummed, so dark. I got this feeling that uh, him and his friends were racist against white people. And they were like, oh, why do I have to talk to this fucking honky? Like, that was the feeling that I got. And then I just, I fucking, I did so much. And in the very end, I think I did one thing that made him slightly snicker to himself. Like, he laughed. And that was the most of the response that I got out of the whole interview. And then when he left, everybody in the room was just like, what the fuck was that? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's always surprising when you hear these people that are genuinely loved or like funny and everyone likes them and then you know a whole different side of that person that you're like that's not what i got at all I've i thought maybe he had had a really bad day like maybe somebody had just told him that you know i mean he lost a tv show or a house or something and then he was like oh cool i'm on the radio with this dickhead that's either that or he's an asshole <laughs> Well, is there one guest that you had on that, you know, you're like, I know who they are. They're famous. But once you had them on, you actually loved them. Like, you're like, man, I really like this person. I'm going to be more of a fan of them now because they just came off so cool and so nice. Yeah, Benji Madden. Benji, huh? Yeah, I hated Good Charlotte. And then you became best friends with him just like after one show? Yeah, Yeah, him and then his brother. I was like, fuck those guys. And then the, I was like, these guys might be the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. And they told me a lot of cool stuff. The therapist that I go to is was Joel's old one. So all the things, I mean, I met my wife through them. I'm forever grateful. Wow, very cool, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where, where can people find your book, by the way? JasonEllisBook.com. That's the only place you can get it. And get that it. book, man. It's fun. It's funny. This guy is so interesting. He's lived a life and a half, and I think he's uh, going to change a lot of lives and perspectives uh, and uh, help a lot of people out there with this book. Yeah, Thanks, man. Thank you, I, thank thank you, you for your honesty. I think there's a lot of people that appreciate your honesty out there. Uh, I appreciate you having me on, dude. Really, it's really nice of you guys. Thank you, Jason. Have a great one, man. You too. Take it easy. Right, bye. Jason Ellis, man, that was so cool. What a nice guy, huh? Oh, he's a really nice guy. It's so funny. I'm just sitting here, like, just the dynamic of, like, how he lives his life with his wife. It's like I, I can't process it in my head, but I'm like, it fucking works for them. And that's that's yeah. all that matters. Yeah, listen, it's uh, it's cool. They have a, they got a pretty cool thing going on right now. So salute to him, man, for uh, kind of making his own path and uh, crushing it. But Dax... Thank you for your time, buddy. I appreciate you. That was fun. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast, we got some really cool guests coming up. Uh, you'll uh, stay tuned. 2020 is going to be a good year. Sounds good, man. All right. Later. Later.